Humanity is growing and connecting. Tomorrow's world needs more energy from more places. But to find our net zero future, we must overcome the natural constraints of many new energy sources. This is the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast, where we look at the energy challenges of modern life and the innovators finding solutions. Join us for a low-carbon, high-energy conversation with your host, Joe Battier. This views of the host are his own and should not be viewed as those of any business, corporation, or government entity. Hello, and welcome to the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast brought to you by AWS Energy. I'm your host, Joe Battier. This is the show where we bring you low-carbon, high-energy stories from the people solving the energy challenges of modern life. I'm here today with Alex Richter, founder of Think Geo Energy and head of business development at Inargi. For those of my geothermal-focused listeners, you already know Alex. For those that don't, the news outlet he built, Think Geo Energy, is the premier news outlet for all things geothermal energy. As the premier source of news, I want to talk about the state of geothermal energy, how geothermal energy news has changed in the past 10, 15 years, and kind of this whole idea that we're talking about right now, reliable, resilient grid and power, what that means in the context of geothermal energy. So, Alex, thank you for joining me on the show today. If you would, please share with me and the audience your background and a quick introduction to Think Geoenergy. Sure, Joe. Thanks for, for having me on, on, on the show. Yeah, a short background uh, to me and, and, and I think Geoenergy. So, I'm a German. Uh, I moved to Iceland about uh, 20 plus years ago uh, and uh, I'm a lawyer by profession. Uh, always with a keen interest on the internet. So I had focused on internet law and uh, copyright law, communication, media law, and uh, ended by pure accident in banking uh, and ended up in investment banking. And we were, I think, the first and only bank that ever had a geothermal team. So that's how I entered geothermal. And uh, as part of our activities uh, back in 2006, uh, seven, we we. we we looked at the geothermal sector and then realized that there was no media outlet covering uh, geothermal because it was such a niche market in the in the energy space and uh, maybe not so much in the renewable energy space, but even there. So fast forward in 2008, uh, you know, the financial crisis hit and uh, our activities basically found an end. And, and I really wanted to stay part of the geothermal sector. And uh, I, that's when I started looking into kind of creating some kind of block or something just to to stay on top of things in geothermal. And that's when I established Think G Energy. Uh, and, you know, fast forward, basically, uh, you know, the accidental entrepreneur, accidental media uh, uh, operator was really, really an interesting uh, development. But yeah, uh, developed basically as a, as a hobby and as a, as a, as a, as a labor of passion, uh, you know, created this as a block platform and turned this into a, into a media, the media platform that it is today. Mm. I love that story. And that was actually going to be my second question is what kind of coincidence was there between the collapse of the Icelandic economy and the, the worldwide financial crisis in 2008 
and think geoenergy starting around that time frame. But since you just answered that question, I want to take a little bit of a different turn there. Before Think Geoenergy, as you were doing the investment banking, where and how did you get your news associated with geothermal? At that time, it, it I guess, what were the big players in geothermal around that 2006 to 2008 timeframe? Well, I think so. When we when we targeted the geothermal industry back then in the bank, you know, we we had a focus on the United States. Uh, we looked at things in, in Europe, uh, but also in, in Australia at the time. Um, and what what we saw immediately that there was uh, you know one big organization in, in geothermal at that time, and, and there was the Geothermal Resources Council now Geothermal Rising, uh, and they had. Uh, they had a website. They had this uh, the GRC conference together with the uh, GEA, the Geothermal Energy Association, and that's and that's basically where that was our starting point, um, and um, mm. um, that's where we got news from these newsletters that were shared about activities in the sector. But we found that this was all very very technology focused on certain technology aspects, etc., and that and there, there, there was missing that uh, that that outlet where we would learn of, let's say, the development, the the developers, the uh, the, the the companies providing services, etc. So that was all kind of kind of missing a little bit because we we were also trying to sell what we were doing, uh, and we tried to kind of figure out a way of how we can promote ourselves and advertise ourselves. And in the in the energy space, there are of course a lot of publications and the renewable energy space as well, but. But we kind of saw that that we wouldn't be reaching the um, uh, the market with car targeting these media platforms. So we joined uh, the uh, GRC or Geothermal Rising today and, um, and and engaged at the at the conference. Um, and this is the way we kind of approached the market. But but clearly, kind of we thought that this is not enough. There needs to be more, and that's kind of how we how we evolved. That's a really good point that you make, because I remember my first GRC was in 2009. That was the first time I went to the conference. That's when I I met you for the first time. And I remember you giving me a print copy of Think Geoenergy. And, And I guess fast forward to today, in those almost 15 years now, there are there are still the same players, if you will, that are still going to the conference. So it there's say a thousand people. Of those thousand, I would I would guess maybe sixty to eighty percent are the same people every year, and maybe you have twenty percent that's a new group. But to your point, if you're participating in the conference, that's great, and that gets your name out there. But it doesn't doesn't show you the entire market. And I guess that's that's kind of what you're hitting on here and and why you started Think Geoenergy to to open up the market and share the news from kind of all over the world is that is that correct? Yeah, and and I, and I think also I mean and I and, and and one of the things that that from the from the beginning kind of like I found let's say not awkward but but of course you know coming from the banking world and I I, I worked in uh, you know, on, the, on, on our fishing business uh, at the time in, uh, in in banking on seafood and fisheries, 
And I saw how this industry was presenting itself, both in the way of of content, but also in the in the in the in the quality of the representation of what the industry was doing. And this is something that 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 struck me quite a bit at the at the time when we were at the GRC at this at the conference, and is basically the 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 lack of understanding of how important this design, how important it is, kind of like how well you present yourself, and the appearance and and everything. So from web design to the the design of the brochures, the design of the booths. This was all kind of like still very rudimentary from from my perspective. And that's why I thought like this is where the industry needs to do a better job in presenting geothermal. It needs to be appear to it needs to appear more professional. It needs to be more flashy. It needs to be similar like other industries. So we basically being taken serious. And this was, was my was my approach and the content, but also the way how this is presented. So, I mean, I've over the years, I've played with several design iterations of the website, etc. But, but I thought we need to do better. And the same applies to, uh, let's say, for example, there was a, there's a paper publication, the, the GRC Bulletin at the time, which was, an, which was a fine publication, great content, uh, a great editor, uh, a great, great stuff. And uh, the content was okay, as, as usual, too much association focused, too much uh, technical focused. Uh, they should try to, to do some 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 uh, other aspects, but it was not a brochure or a, 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 a paper that you would take to a bank to promote the geothermal sector for investment, etc. And that's when I thought, okay, so Think Geology as a news platform, as a web tool, I, I always believe that also a print version is very important or something in print because it's something that you can take along, etc., so I actually kind of established a, 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 a magazine. And it was the Think Energy uh, magazine that 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 we that we uh, published, um, and the idea here was to present something flashy, similar like other magazines, etc. And and it, it was fantastic. It, it it was a lot of fun to do. We had issues then with printing, and I wanted to print to deliver all these free copies at the at the GRC, and and, and that was a major challenge and. But it never it never ticked off because it was really difficult. It was a really heavy magazine, but it was but it was really flashy, and I still believe it was a great way of promoting geothermal. And we we made these magazines focused on on countries, so it would be a fine magazine to promote. And I think I still have some of these magazines, and I think I think I can still distribute them, and people find them a nice tool to promote. And then mm-hmm. we did uh, we started doing a newspaper. So the idea here was to create a free, uh, small, very sh- short kind of newspaper uh, in paper that we can take to conferences and, and distribute. And this way, accompanying our, our uh, online presence. So this was, this was quite, quite interesting. And of course, we've tried a few things going forward. Uh, the magazine was then too cumbersome to do and, and too much work for what we would get out of it. And because, of course, you're trying to set this up a little bit as a you try to set this up as a business. I mean, you have to 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 mm-hmm. cover the cost, etc. And it was just too much work. I mean, it was uh, you know. But but I still believe in print. And if I would have, let's say, uh, you know, joined uh, the the conference today, I would probably would have created some kind of uh, newspaper as well. And I had planned to do this for the World Geothermal Congress. And of course, COVID kind of mm-hmm. blew this up. And we're trying now to kind of get somewhat back to 
similar things what we did before. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that all makes sense because I I agree the the tangible something you can hold on to and flip through. There's always some value there that is I think just ingrained in our minds. But to your point with the idea of multiple iterations of design, the ability to put everything somewhere so that people can get it and be able to do that in a timely fashion. I think those are, are ways that the internet and and other things that you're doing, like that weekly webinar series that that you partner with on, those are aspects that I think are are ways that you can continue to promote geothermal while also still having the the same flashiness, if you will, or the same visually appealing information out there. I mean, the interesting part is, you know, Joe, when you when you when you when you develop a, like like a website like 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 I did, and 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 a business around this, you 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 constantly look at ways of doing new things, of 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 adapting things, of adding things to it, and and of course, you know, when 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 you're trying to make a living of it, you're you're trying to do things that 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 make sense. So the time that you spend translates into in, into revenue. So you're not adding additional work that doesn't pay itself. So you're trying several things, like I said, with the magazine, etc. And uh, the webinar basically was something that we had planned for quite some time. And then together with my partner in Germany that is running a German news platform uh, and, and, uh, and marketing agency, he, so we did, we, we started doing this, uh, he started this and then we started this together. And we are, we're having now working on, on, on implementing this more into ThinkG Energy. Uh, we also started uh, a podcast. I don't know if you remember, uh, but we actually did uh, the uh, the newsletter that we have uh, as a as a podcast. So we did an, an audio version of the of the newsletter because we thought this was useful. It was maybe a tick too early, um, but we, we're thinking of maybe doing this as a as a service uh, additionally for people to to listen to a summary of the of the newsletter that we send out every every week and. All kinds of ideas that we have, and and and, and of course we're seeing other podcasts starting up, and and I think it's great. Um, but we continue to 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 uh, adapt what we're doing, and like I said, we've you know a lot of things we planned before COVID. Uh, okay, so there were also some some family issues uh, that I faced, and and so a lot of things kind of were put on hold in, in the summer of 2019. Of things that we had planned, but we're back on track, and I think it's it's very exciting, and a lot of things to come in the coming months from Think Geo. So it will be very interesting, you know. Also, uh, our research business, etc. So a lot of lot of things happening. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for always excited for advances in in what Think Geo Energy is doing and ways to get and promote the story that is geothermal energy and the value that is geothermal energy on that on that idea there is one major issue that geothermal has kind of always had this is one that we have been talking about ever since i guess ever since covid and it was a a big theme for the world geothermal congress in that took place in iceland was supposed to be two years ago ended up taking place last year but the idea that we can't see geothermal. We don't know it's there. 
and it generally is not a household name. People just don't don't think about it. And so there's that public perception of geothermal and really more importantly the acceptance of geothermal as a as a standard energy source. With that and since you've been doing this for so long, I want to know what is your go-to analogy to help people understand and relate to geothermal energy? Oh, that's a that's a good one, Joe. So, um, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is one of the main challenges. Like, you know, you, the way you experience wind in your hair or uh, the sun shining in your face. I mean, that is for people. They put an emotion to it and they understand it. Um, and and I think this is very clear. And then and then and then, which is a positive thing, is that. When people think of geothermal, they think of volcanoes, and in many ways, they think of Iceland, uh, and that's that has been a blessing for Iceland that we, you know the country has been so on the forefront of geothermal. But at the same time, it's also you know dangerous for for let's say countries like the United States and and, and others that have as good geothermal resources, but maybe not that obvious. It's always that picture of Iceland and the Blue Lagoon and and so on. So so that makes it actually difficult because people believe, okay, well, they have volcanoes, so no wonder it's so easy to do. You just need to put your thumb in the ground. So that's, of course, very difficult. Um, in the European context, you know, you, we, we've been actually then, you know, talking a lot about the, the Romans when they were in, in, in Europe and their bathing, bathing culture and... Uh, and, and using hot springs. So there are all these medieval hot springs and, and baths that existed. And, and talking about that gets people to understand, well, wait a second. Yeah, there's this thermal bath. There's this thermal spring there. And, and there's there's a practical aspect like that. But but at the end of the day, and I think this is also the, the, the main challenge for geothermal, is, is that we're selling, we're selling essentially heat. And heat for people is generally something that just came, comes out of the radiator. Uh, so something very intangible. Uh, so, I mean, if you, if you grew up in earlier days, you, you maybe remember carrying the coal up for your, for your radiator in the, in, in, the, in the house so that you connect that, that notion that, that there is something out from which you burn and there comes heat. And geothermal, of course, is, 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 is more tricky. But... I think the, 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 the crucial aspect and aspect the way we explain geothermal is, is that the earth is hot. There's the core of the earth is hot, and it's just a matter of how deep you drill that you, you have heat that you can utilize. And explaining how to extract that heat in the form of high heat or lower heat for, for heating or for, for power generation, it is and remains complex to explain. But essentially, you can say is that the, there is an energy beneath the uh, the surface, and you can tap it everywhere. It's just a matter of cost. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the the one thing I always like to point out is that if people like hot water, they felt hot water. They they have their coffee. That coffee is hot water that has pulled some caffeine from some some coffee beans, and and usually that doesn't quite catch, right? It's like, oh, well, that's coffee. That's different. But I think people can relate to heat in the sense of there is heat. You know what that is. You like to be warm in the wintertime. If you just drill down into the ground, there's heat there. 
I mean, and Joe, you see, you see this. I mean, there's a there's a reason why 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 things like the Blue Lagoon or the Kenyan Geothermal Spa or the the baths in England uh, or in, in Germany or in Australia. I mean, this is when you show people the bathtub with hot water or mm. the hot spring. People understand. Yep. You then need to explain kind of for what else you can use that heat. And then, then it becomes easier. But with a hot bath, people people connect comfort. They comf- they, 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 they connect to well-being. They connect mm-hmm. to, to health. And this is the message we need to sell. And that basically can then connect into geothermal being a, a clean, renewable energy source. And of course, in the context of, of heating worldwide and decarbon- decarbonizing heat, geothermal is a fantastic source of source of source of energy and this is what we we need to ponder and discuss and i think this is why particularly in europe and in 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 the current environment like i think it's it's never been a better selling argument for geothermal energy and a better opportunity yeah i agree so when when i was in iceland there was a story that our professors would love to tell us and it was about that transition when Iceland really was not utilizing the geothermal resource. They still had coal. They still had lots of hydrocarbons, essentially, that they were using for everything, heating, electricity. And you would look at pictures and there was just this very heavy smog over Reykjavik, over Akureyri. And it it looked like a like a typical urban city center, but then transform into what Iceland is today, where essentially all of the power is coming from either geothermal energy or from hydroelectric, and the skies are clear and beautiful. And and all that to say, the, the thing that they always harped on, because I, I started my studies in 2010 in Iceland, they always liked to point back to the value of that clean, renewable, reliable energy source. And basically, when the financial crisis came through, the people of Iceland, they had their bank accounts wiped out and all of these other terrible aspects from a global economy perspective. But the one thing that didn't change was their electricity price, because that was essentially built into Iceland. And that was something that for them essentially acted like a subsidy because they didn't have to worry about their lights being on or worry about heating their homes in the winter because that price stayed the same and and it was a clear, constant reminder of, of how great this energy source was. That's that's correct. I mean, and, and, and I... This time was was particularly important because, you know, we are a small country here, and, and there's a, we have our own currency. So basically, getting getting away from having to import something at high prices with money that you don't have makes an, a, a national resource so important. And this is exactly the discussion that we had back in the. In two thousand seven, eight, in in the in the Caribbean, you know these these island states that were running on diesel powered uh, diesel fueled power generation. Uh, same in Alaska, some of these 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 remote areas, 
Uh, and with higher fuel prices, of course, these prices skyrocket. And that is, of course, putting a strain on the on the local economy. So that notion of a, nas- a, a, a national and natural resource that doesn't fluctuate the pricing with currency exchange or fuel prices or whatever makes energy security such an important aspect. And we see this now in Europe. I mean, this is this is so incredibly important, uh, you know. And 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 and, and as you said, like if then the energy prices don't escalate like they do in Europe today. A, a, a tremendous advantage also for the local economy and this is and this is this is why it's so important and this is one of the attributes that we probably have forgotten a little bit about geothermal is that it's such an important national resource so for the countries that have it it's a great opportunity to become independent from forces that they can't control mm-hmm yeah, and that is, it's such a relevant topic today because of everything going on in in Europe. And, and really, as we see worldwide inflation increasing, supply chain issues, and what I would say are still those repercussions from COVID that we're still dealing with, I think that that shows the value of not only the, the fragility of the worldwide economy and supply chain, but also the value of having that national energy security and national homegrown energy supply that you're speaking to. Now, we we haven't really talked about it, but from my understanding, so you, you are head of business development for a company called Inargi. I'm probably saying that wrong, but I... I think that this is kind of the realm that that y'all work in. Is that correct? That is correct, and you pronounce it correctly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I don't know if you recall, but I've been I've been uh, particular in the last five six years been uh, very outspoken about geothermal and particular its role it can play in, in decarbonizing heat, mm. uh, and that's why I've in in in, in the reporting of Think Energy also increasingly. Uh, put an, an emphasis on heating and direct use of geothermal resources. So, and of course, as part of our activities at Think Geology, I've also worked as a consultant for, for various companies uh, on strate- strategy and, and marketing and, and related activities to, to really help the, 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 the sector and help companies to understand and develop within the sector. So when in... Uh, Late last year, when I when when I was engaging with this with this Danish company uh, um, Energy, uh, then it was called uh, RP Miller uh, Geothermal. Um, here, a company that, from my perspective, kind of was was super interesting, and it it was and it was a company that that developed a business model on how to how to develop geothermal, how to promote geothermal. And how to engage and what to focus on. And this is something that in the geothermal sector I've, I've seen so often is that quite often the challenges were were not necessarily technical but business model, the how mm. how you set up a development model for for geothermal. So when I so when I got the opportunity and I and I was asked to join Energy, I mean I was absolutely thrilled first of all for uh, for the trust and, and and also the opportunity and. In particular, the opportunity to actually help shape 
something with a company that I strongly believe in. Uh, and of course, in the current environment, which no one could have imagined back then, uh, but really make a difference in Europe in developing uh, geothermal heating projects. And this was this was a fantastic opportunity that I just simply couldn't uh, refuse. Uh, and, and that's why I'm very, very pleased to, to, to have joined Energy and working with a with a fantastic team on, on, on helping, you know, rethink heating in, in, in Europe. Yeah. And I, I love that point that the decarbonization of heating is so important. And, and part of that is because there, there is, I mean, in order to heat something, you have to generate that heat somehow. And most often from my understanding is that if you're using anything like a natural gas burner or you're burning coal or in many parts of the developing world, there is still lots of wood or biomass that's being burned for heating and cooking. And ultimately, that is producing a lot of particulate matter, a lot of smoke. That is one aspect to why it's so important to decarbonize heating. But then also the fact that we are burning something that has such a high energy density to ultimately utilize it at relatively low temperatures. With with energy, are you focused more on kind of heating and cooling of homes or is it also going up into industrial heat processes? So what so our, our focus and on our project in, 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 in Denmark in, in Aarhus, uh, for example, is is that we are targeting uh, medium depth, medium temperatures. So here temperatures are that are not suitable for power generation. And with that, basically, we're expanding the areas where you could utilize geothermal. And our focus is of, of producing uh, heat and, and then selling this to a district heating company like we do it now in Aarhus. So here the idea is you develop a, a geothermal project with a focus on heating and you then deliver that heat to a city. So in this case, it would be a customer, for example, a district heating company, or it could be a, a corporation that needs heat for the industrial processes. Um, and so, yeah, so we are we are focused on, 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 on large-scale uh, district heating uh, and, of course, heating supply to, to, to industry. Uh, and we do this in the context of Aarhus, where we are producing... Uh, temperatures from let's say 80 90 degrees and then we heat it up with heat pumps to the temperature that is needed within the district heating networks and that is that is a, a fantastic opportunity to decarbonize but also and i think this is also important is, is that we while we, we we will play an important part of, of the overall heat supply uh, in in the city of Aarhus, for example the other renewable energy sources are still required uh, so it will always be just one element, but an important element. Yep. But we are not positioning geothermal against other renewable energy sources. And we are competitive with, with, uh, with also fossil fuel-based uh, heating sources. Hmm. That's great. Now, thinking about, about this kind of large-scale picture, well, maybe large-scale picture, the... Thinking about the current state of, of affairs in Europe, natural gas prices kind of going through the, sh 
through the roof, supplies from Russia being dwindled, the war in Ukraine, lots of lots of high stress, high anxiety, and potential for for frankly a, a large widespread crisis coming this winter where where there's not enough gas to keep homes warm. When it comes to something like geothermal, how long or what is the time frame that that we would actually be able to implement something like a a district heating system? Well, of course, I mean, you know, uh, to start with, you know, a good aspect is that you need a district heating system because the piping and, and, and all that stuff is quite cumbersome to set up, particularly if you have an existing city and urban environment. So to put in the, the piping required for district heating can be quite cumbersome if you don't have that infrastructure yet. So that is, of course, a, a big aspect as well. Uh, on the geothermal side, of course, you need you need to drill, uh, and you need to drill often in urban environments and cities. Uh, so there are certain aspects of permitting, of licenses, of uh, stakeholder engagement, uh, you know, to to make sure that that you are allowed to and and you're accepted to drill in a city. Uh, so all of those things kind of make the the early stages of development for geothermal in the cities quite, let's say, cumbersome, and and and, and might also take quite some time. Um, but in the ideal scenario, so let's say you can secure a drilling contracts and 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 all the the material like you can set up a geothermal project within three to five years uh, or three to four years. Um, but in the current environment, I guess, depending on, 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 on how it works and, and the scale. Um, but um, we believe that, that we can do at least the early stages of, of projects within two to three years. Um, and, and then in, in the larger scale, it might take up to five years, four to five years. Yeah. Okay. And and really that's not that long. I think as we talk about in impending some type of impending supply constraint coming into the future, I think this is where things like Think Geoenergy and in general making geothermal more widespread, more understood ends up helping because that that 4 to 5 years for a full-scale project can be cut down a little bit. And even for drilling a well and connecting that to the existing district heating system, to me that that's something that that I've never really thought about. But if there if there is a general understanding of geothermal associated with a specific region, and they realize they are going to need extra heat in six months or the next winter. I could see maybe there is a way that you could you could drill a well and install that at almost that time frame or maybe the following year. Yeah, so I mean like we're not like geothermal in Europe is not the the answer to the the, the upcoming winter. I think mm-hmm. this is very clear. Uh, so it will take take a longer time but but then again, you know, this is the importance as well is that long-term thinking you need for geothermal you need that support by politicians to 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 help with the necessary policies and 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 regulatory framework 
you need the local support of communities and municipalities, of people, etc. And then you need also the, the infrastructure. So like I said, the, the district heating systems, I mean, you know, not every country like Iceland has, has, has such a high density on, on district heating. Uh, Denmark is, is, is very good. Germany, I think in most of the cities, it's, it's less than 40%. So there's still room to grow. And mm. so that's why the importance of this district heating systems is that it's way more efficient uh, and uh, it is way more easier to also then replace the, the energy source that you plug into the systems. So what we need to do to uh, what we need to do today is basically really pushing district heating as a concept, district heating as a, as a, as a system and infrastructure to help implementing renewable energy technologies into the heating sector and cooling sector for that matter as well. And then geothermal is a great option to put into the system. Uh, and that's why all, all over Europe today, uh, I don't know, I would say that that half, if not all of the cities in one way or another looking at geothermal. And the interesting aspect in that is also is that, you know, with what we see in the market today with, with the technology development and new players is that we have now a large number of new technologies coming in and we see an increasing overlap of, let's say, what we called in the past shallow geothermal or ground source heat pumps with hydrothermal geothermal projects. So utilizing heat pumps, for example, to expand the heat that we can uh, extract plus heat pumps and other environments where basically you don't have a hydrothermal resources you no know, closed loop system with, with heat exchange systems, etc. So this marrying of these technologies will essentially create a way more dynamic geothermal sector that 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 will really make a huge impact in the energy transition and particularly the heat transition. And we're seeing this in, in, in happening in Europe right now. And this is an utterly exciting time to be part of geothermal. And and it will be really interesting to see how how this evolves. But I am so optimistic like i've never been before in geothermal i like it me as well i i'm super optimistic and i love all of the new technology development and and seeing how that's going to grow and change and evolve with time on that idea think geoenergy i would say is one of the original influencers in geothermal influencer coming from kind of that social media influencer realm. And since Think Geoenergy started roughly 14 years ago, you've you've had a strong social media presence throughout that time. And so I think a very important question here, as one of the original influencers, are you evolving with the times? Let me just get to the point. Are you and is Think Geoenergy on TikTok? <laughs> Uh, no, uh, unfortunately, I'm not on, uh, on 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 TikTok. I mean, uh, you know, I I always felt that 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 compared to so many peers in the industry, that that myself and Think Energy are 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 somewhat on the forefront of the use of of social media. But uh, of course, my kids have taught me taught me the other way. Uh, so uh, no, but we are not on TikTok. We are on on Twitter and have been from the very beginning. Uh, we are on LinkedIn, uh, and particular LinkedIn has become incredibly important, uh, both in content reaching people and, and engaging. Um, 
We also have a presence on Facebook, but of course, Facebook has dramatically lost its appeal. Uh, and for us, it's more a sidekick. We are also on Instagram. Uh, we've also been on, on, on YouTube for a long time, and, and, and there will be probably a little bit more of a presence of us uh, going forward. Uh, TikTok and video. Well, the challenge here, is, as you as a, as a podcast host will know, I mean, it takes a lot of work to do all these different media contents mm-hmm. uh, and to do it. And, and, and you have to figure out a way of, of where do you spend your time. And for us, TikTok, it's it's not been on the agenda Um and again, I mean, we're, we're trying to reach a, a newer generation. Uh, so if any one of you listener listeners has an idea of how Think Genergy could become on, uh, engaged on TikTok, maybe with your help or, or, or we can support uh, one of the, the, the new influencers for Geothermal through TikTok and, and our coverage, I mean, please reach out. My email is alex at thinkgeoenergy.com. <laughs> yep, I think TikTok is, it's, a fascinating thing because you never think about that being where you want to go as a any type of professional organization or as a professional trying to share knowledge but it it's fascinating how how much it has grown and then trying to think about to your point do you monetize that in a way that you are able to help your industry grow or is that almost more of a community service aspect to reaching a wider audience, growing, growing general understanding and, and public perception. So it, it, it's a cheeky question for you, but it's also a, a, it may or may not be relevant as well. No, but it, but it is, it is very valid. I mean, you need to stay on top of things and you need to figure out a way. And, but, but I think part of what, 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 what I've tried, what I've been trying to achieve with Think Genergy and, and, and maybe even before I kind of un- I understood this as a business, it's like I saw this as a tool for promoting the industry. And as part of that, I, I saw the, think the, the, the Twitter presence, uh, LinkedIn, etc. I saw this as a tool to promote geothermal. And of course, we need to go over the times. We need to use new platforms coming in. We need to reach a broader audience. And the audience becomes uh, is getting younger and younger. And we need to plant you know, the idea of geothermal and its importance with, with the younger generation as well. We need, we, we, we need to do this. Uh, so we need to do this together as an industry. And, and I mean, and I see increasingly, let's say, a competition for, uh, you know, being the one player to promote geothermal. It's a bit tricky, but, but, but I think, we, you know, we need to kind of combine, combine our forces and understand how can we support. So if there are people that are doing a fantastic job on promoting uh, geothermal on, on LinkedIn or TikTok, uh, like them, use, share them, uh, engage with them, use them. And, and, and if, you, if you think there are some, some platforms that we are missing and, and, or some, some, some new influencers, uh, please tell us and, and we'll, we'll try to help to multiply uh, and, uh, their engagement and what they do. So because it helps all of us. Yep, absolutely. Well, with that, I've got a few final questions. I ask these questions to all of my guests. The first question being, what is a favorite book of yours that you would recommend? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one. I was not prepared for that. Um, um, there are a ton of books 
that 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 I've read that I really really liked. But I think one of the most influential books and and it's probably was more a, a blog site than that that also then published a book, but something that really got me started uh, on let's say presenting, and the um, uh, and the this was a professor that American professor living in in. Um, uh, in, in Japan, and it's it's called Presentation Zen, and that was a fantastic book that I that I thought was very uh, was a very important driver because over that I learned a lot a lot of uh, I learned about a lot of other books etc. that kind of really helped me drive my career in the sense of how I understood the importance of pre- presenting and presentations and understanding yourself. As a business model, that I think was something very important, and and I can't leave it by that one book because the other book that fits right into that narrative, and and that was a very important one as well. It's called it's uh, it's by Benjamin Zander, and it's the Art of Possibility, and that book kind of really helped me in so many ways to put a positive spin spin on many difficult uh, decisions to be made and uh, and challenges that I experienced, and and and. So I think this this probably the, the two most influential books I would say presentations and uh, by Gar Reynolds and uh, Benjamin Zander the Art of Possibility. Those both sound sound fascinating, and it sounds like the Presentation Zen is one of those books that really everybody should should be reading and and everybody should should understand because I think especially all of us in the geothermal industry we are in this this what others see as a niche industry and our we're kind of on we're on point every single time we're talking to somebody and we say the word geothermal and then they ask us what is geothermal so we we are there representing presenting ourselves presenting our industry to to the general population so that's Great recommendations. I'm excited to add those to the list of, of books to read. The next question, when will we be net zero as a society? Um, of course, depending very much where you are, but I think what is important that we all have to, we all have to play that part to, to help reach, that, reach those goals. Um, you know, countries have set targets, uh, companies have set themselves targets, but we have to understand that we personally have to play a role in that as well. So travel, etc. So understanding our carbon footprint is also as such important. Uh, so I, I think that uh, a lot of the targets, let's say in, in, in Europe by being net zero by 2040 is, is very ambitious, but let's, let's be, let's be serious. We don't have a choice. So we better be net zero sooner than later. Yeah, I think to your point, we don't have a choice. I think that that is that's a very, a very specific thing that we don't really think about. And I think, unfortunately, there is still argument about that. Do we need to be net zero? Do we? What are we doing to the environment? Does it matter what we're doing to the environment? Does it matter if if the earth warms a little bit? But I think I think once we put that stake in the ground and make that statement of we don't have a choice, we do need to be net zero. 
if we want to have the same climate we have today, we need to not be introducing our component into the climate. And that's a very, very important point to make. And then we need to go for it. So thank you for that. Now, the last question, you actually get to ask me a question now. <laughs> so Joe, a question to you. If you if you were to join, if you were to to choose one individual that you think would be a, an incredible catalyst for for geothermal or could be a potential uh, speaker for geothermal and and with with his or her statement make a huge impact for geothermal, who do you think it would be? That is that's a hard question because I. I do a terrible job of keeping up with kind of just general pop culture and general societal information. If it just the way I'm explaining it shows how bad I am at keeping up with what's going on in the world. But I think that it would it would come from a pop culture icon. And I don't know if it is somebody like a so I, I guess this will date me if you think about somebody like Madonna saying something or the Rolling Stones or if you think of Kelly Clarkson or Britney Spears or if you think of Justin Bieber or one of the Jonas Brothers I think that is that's where my mind goes is also or if you look at today like the um, is BTS a band I think they're a band so I think that that's kind of where something needs to come from. And you see some some push on that. There was a, I forget the name of it, but right before the Pivot conference, so Pivot is this idea of pivoting from the hydrocarbon industry into geothermal. And right before that conference, there was a, a large, large, concert festival that took place at the Azores. The Azores is this volcanic island chain that everybody knows is this beautiful vacation destination, but it's actually a bunch of extinct volcanoes. And it's just a perfect setting to show like geothermal energy has done so many great things for the world. It has made these beautiful vacation spots, but now today it can also kind of help all of us be energy independent and energy secure. But that is like kind of going towards that realm of pop culture and and famous people saying, we need to reach net zero. We need to have these solutions. I think that it would come from somebody like that that maybe would make movement and make a statement unfortunately i think if i mean you have you have geniuses out there saying we need to switch to geothermal we have plenty of them in the geothermal industry but i think it needs to come from outside of the industry somebody to get up and say geothermal just makes sense and i think that will make people start listening Excellent note, Joe. But but I but I think and that's the call to everyone. Is like really we need to expand the reach of geothermal. So it's it's up to all, all and every one of us to kind of really magnify 
what what everyone in the industry is doing to promote geothermal and i think then we will we will reach a critical mass for the support that we need mm-hmm. yep well alex thank you for joining me on the show today before we sign off is there anything else that you would like to say no, but uh, but I think other than from seeing you from since we met for the first time and seeing you finishing your PhD, working and then working now uh, with PetroLearn, it's a, it's an exciting uh, career. So hopefully, you continue to rock this geothermal uh, industry and, uh, and 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 with your podcasts and everything. So very very pleased, Joe. Well. Thank you for that. And I'm I'm always excited to see you at the conferences and always getting a chance to catch up and chat. So thank you again for joining me on the show. And thank you everyone for joining us on this episode of the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast. If you are enjoying the show, please do me a favor, give me a five-star rating, leave a review, share this episode with a friend. Doing these quick and easy actions will help these stories reach a wider audience. And if you want to hear more great stories from energy and the way energy impacts our lives, connect with OGGN, where this podcast is being brought to you from. You can connect with us on LinkedIn or visit OGGN.com. And if you're in the Houston area, go try out the Canon, mention OGGN, and they will give you a free day pass. Whenever I'm in Houston, that's where I'm at. And it's also where we host our monthly industry mixers. Finally, if you have any questions, comments, corrections, or have a story that you would like to share, send me an email or find me on LinkedIn. And until next time, remember to keep it low carbon and high energy. Join us again next week for another low carbon, high energy story on the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.